This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Campfires is brought to you by DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Taurus, Makers of the Raging Hunter Handgun. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Double Nickel Taxidermy. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Welcome to this week's episode of Campfires. David Fox, thank you very much for that introduction. Summertime. We're on the brink of it coming out of a oh a hot spring in Texas. I don't know how many of y'all keep record or even look to see what uh, temperatures might be in certain areas, but I recently got into a, a hunting lease that I'm really anxious to spend time on out west of San Angelo, Texas this year. It's about 8,000 acres, been under a good management program. The bucks are nice. They're not Boone and Crockett bucks, but they're nice, big, mature bucks. Part of the ranch is, is flat, and the other part of it is rocky and rough, and it's got a good deer population on it with a good buck-to-doe ratio, and I am told through a friend of mine that rattling is out of this world there, so it's under a managed land permit which means that basically on that property we can hunt from October through the end of February so it gives us an opportunity to get out there and really see everything from the uh, beginning of the the pre-rut to the Oh, almost rut to the full rut to post rut to where it's really post rut where they're dropping their antlers possibly about tail end of what will be that hunting season. Really anxious to get out there, but as a result of getting on that lease, I've been spending a lot of time looking at the weather. 
the weather in western half of Texas and really throughout Texas where I live and throughout the Midwest and even into the, some of the mountain states has been really variable. But one of the interesting things is, if you want to call it that, we've had temperatures on that property this year already to where they were like 103 to, I think the highest temperature so far has been like 108, 109. Now, really, that's not that unusual for that part of Texas to have those kind of temperatures, but generally we do not get them until about July and they're coming a, a month early. We're also extremely dry that throughout much of the, oh my gosh, the central part of the U.S., we're pretty much in a drought. Uh, some of it's really extreme in terms of they haven't had rainfall now in, in about a year. And it's starting to really affect what's there. And in other areas, because of the dry and because we've had unbelievably unusual high winds, it's very seldom that we have a day where I live and, and it, where I travel in parts of Texas where the wind's not blowing 12 to 25 or more miles per hour. That, too, has, has pulled a lot of moisture out of the ground and really drying things up. And of course, it's affecting the vegetation as well. And all oh, that's very conducive to a fire. I have several friends who have properties in, in uh, New Mexico and different parts of New Mexico, kind of toward the northern part of the state that... Essentially, the entire ranch burned. Uh, they thankfully were able to get their cattle off ahead of time. They were there, and so they moved, started moving cattle as soon as they uh, could tell that it, the fires may be coming their way. Interesting year. Interesting year. Of course, fuel costs are up, and if you drive a little diesel truck like I do, you're very thankful of that fact when you get good fuel economy, but uh, sure is cut back on some of the things that I might be wanting to do this time of the year. Spend a little bit more time in terms of remotely looking at Google Earth and oh, such things as that to try to determine where with the field money that I'm saving this summer that I can do my hunts on a little bit later. Normally, if and when field costs are down a little bit, I'd be spending part of my time right now on some of those properties where I plan on hunting this year. That said, it's it's a good time. It, we're still we're still in a in a good time, and and uh, with a little bit of rain and and some cloud cover, and doing a lot of praying in that direction, as I know a lot of other people are. I, I think we'll be in in pretty good shape come this fall. Certain areas there's going to be a little bit less antler development, probably because the the spring and late winter were really really dry, and and in some instances such as in South Texas in the brush country, those plants are used to being growing without a whole lot of moisture. They tend to have a higher nutrient rate, actually, in those times when it's a little bit drier. And although I hadn't been down there lately, I suspect the mesquite bean crop is going to be substantial this year. That's interesting in, in a lot of different ways because the mesquite tree, generally when they're in for a drought in that part of the world, puts out a lot of beans. And I guess that's Mother Nature's way of assuring that there are seeds that can be <laughs> passed on into where you can perpetuate that particular species to make sure that there are seeds that are going to get in the ground one way or the other. Now, if you've never tasted a mesquite bean pod when it matures, it, it's very, very sweet, very sugary. And in a lot of ways, it provides a tremendous amount of energy for the for the deer in particular, because while South Texas, the plants have really good in terms of 
protein and, and trace mineral type thing. The one thing that we lack on throughout much of that country and even other parts of Texas is we in other parts of the, of the country, I should say as well, we really don't have a lot of energy for those animals in terms of, of sweet or, or fats and carbohydrates because there's just not a not many fruits and, and nuts and those kind of things available in those areas. That's one of the things we learned a few years ago. I, I, I was a partner in the Los Cazadores hunting headquarters in Pearsall, Texas. And one of the things that we did during our my tenure there is we developed rations with ADM, which is the people, same people that own Mormon Mineral. We did a tremendous amount of research on deer nutrition through Texas A&M at Kingsville and, and also some other places that... ADM and Mormon Mineral had access to, and, and then of course the properties that we had access to. And one of the things we learned that uh, protein is really important, but so is energy. Energy, in a lot of instances, might be just about as important as far as the uh, antler development and the health of the animal as is uh, uh, <laughs> as is protein. As I was talking about that, I, I'm thinking about that. I, I remember several guys who used to be serious runners, and they would be on a on a very high protein diet. Yet when they got really to run, when they were doing any kind of a, a long run or anything, and and I talked to some of the military guys about this, they have a tendency to load up on on fats and carbohydrates to uh, for the energy because protein really doesn't produce a whole lot of energy when you get right down to it. But fats and carbohydrates and all those other things things do. So those mosquito beans down in South Texas, even though sometimes the ranchers custom, uh, the fact that there were mesquites there, they pretty much carried deer population and a bunch of other wildlife populations through those really extremely dry times, such as what we're being faced with now. On my little property, which is kind of on the edge of the Gulf Coast Prairie, for years my brother ran cattle on it, and, and he did a lot of shredding of, of weeds, and on some of that we have now pulled the cattle off or restricted the cattle to where it's on a very very short seasonal grazing system in that uh, when we put the cattle in there, there's a lot for them to eat. But the thing about it is with him not shredding that country or, or mowing it, if you will, if you want to call it that, uh, some of those mesquite trees and mesquite seedlings that I had are, are coming on strong. And, and there you have to realize mesquites, where you have them, there's positives and negatives. But one of the great positives is they are a legume, and as such as a legume, they do fix nitrogen in the soil. And if you ever get time to spend, you know, get to spend some time in South Texas and those areas maybe farther west where you have different varieties of, of mesquites, uh, look around the base of the trees and, and kind of inside the drip line, meaning the outermost limbs inward, and you'll notice that generally, unless it's horribly overgrazed, the vegetation there is going to be in better shape than it is away from that tree. And a lot of that comes right back down to the fact that it's producing uh, a fair amount of nitrogen. So it's providing nutrients for the plants that live there. Over the years, I've looked at a lot of different ranches. And, and what brings this to mind is the fact that very thankfully, and, and I'm so proud of the fact that Hayden Outdoors 
has become kind of a sponsor of our podcast. And we have a segment called Conservation Today that uh, generally Brandon Houston does for me. Brandon and I partner in H3 Whitetail Solutions, which is a wildlife consulting firm. And even though it says just whitetails, we do a whole lot more other things. But uh, generally, Brandon is what I bring on to do the conservation today. But since we're talking about properties, particularly during the summertime, I think it'd be a good time to, to mention, of course, that, that Hayden Outdoors is the brand that sells land. But they not only do they sell land, over the years I've had the opportunity to spend some time with their salespeople, and really specifically, among others, Phil Phillips and his wife, Karen. Phil and I have known each other for a long, long time, and, and he's been involved in all kinds of management programs from Central Port of well, Colorado to Northern Colorado to really throughout the entire uh, lower part of the U.S. when you get right down to it. And so he's one of those guys that's kind of a go-to guy. And generally when somebody tells me I'm interested in, in property that I can use for wildlife, and I'll ask them where if it's nothing that I'm specifically familiar with, I said, well, you know, you need to get in touch with, with Phil, with Phil Phillips, and, and let Phil help you find a place because Phil's got a really good understanding as so many of those their Hayden Outdoors people do. They, they have an understanding about agriculture, wildlife, and they really have a good understanding kind of from the ground on up. So that's, that's really important. With that said, if you're interested in some property, particularly in terms of wildlife, right now during the summertime is a really good time to look at it. You know, you can look at it during the springtime and it may look absolutely fantastic. So, uh, but a little bit later on in the summertime, it may be a little bit more prone to droughts. By looking at it during the summertime, if it's dependent somewhat on, on surface water, which a lot of areas are, that... Uh, throughout the west and the southwest in particular, uh, this is a good time to look at it, see how much water is actually going to be in that creek or that river or that pond or, you know, is there sufficient water underground? There are areas in western Texas that I've looked at that the wildlife habitat, when it's wet, looks absolutely out of this world good. But you look at it during summertime and you don't really see anything because there's not a lot of water. There's not a lot of uh, green growth because there's very little rain. There's not a lot of water because it just doesn't rain much and the ponds dry up pretty quickly. And the third equation into that is, is there's not a whole lot of groundwater. Talking about water that can be pumped up to the ground, out of the ground. So, uh, you know, it's a good time to look at it. But one of the things about those guys hating outdoors, some you don't even need to know about some of those things because they're going to point those things out to you and say, this is a really good piece of property and you very well may be interested in it, but, and then it's up to you to make a decision as to whether you're happy with the but or whether you want them to help you find something else. But if you are looking for some property or, or if you're a landowner and you've got property that you're wanting to sell, there's nobody better out there than Hayden Outdoors. And you can just go Google Hayden Outdoors and uh, they'll put you in touch with one way or the other through the, the local guy. And they've got people scattered all over pretty much North America, I guess, when you get right down to it. But essentially, pretty much through every one of the states that we have here in the lower 48. And I'm assuming, although I hadn't looked or asked, but I suspect they may be up in Canada as well. And if not, they can put you in, in touch with up there in Canada or maybe in Alaska, if that's where you're looking as well, too, with, with somebody that they know is reputable and somebody that you can deal with. 
I mentioned rainfall, lack of rainfall. Throughout most of Texas right now and throughout most of the Midwest, we are in a, a rather severe drought. Hopefully that'll change in the next weeks, and hopefully even before you get a chance to really listen to this podcast, we will have some rain all the way throughout the Midwest. But uh, this is a tough time when it comes to rainfall. We usually would get a fair amount in a lot of areas, and we have a lot of ground vegetation. Now, the ground vegetation is important as far as wildlife is concerned for several reasons. Of course, for for food, for some of the smaller things, cover, for insects, uh, to producing insects that the, the little birds can eat, like quail and turkey and pheasants and all these others, but also producing seeds that the seed eaters are dependent upon. And from a white-tailed deer or mule deer or pronghorn or I suppose even elk when you get right down to it perspective if you have ground vegetation there's a better chance that a, that a coyote or bobcat mountain lion or bear primary predators that prey upon young ungulates they can't see them as well now there's it seems to be an old fallacy or, or bug wise tale whatever you want to call it that when they're first born, they don't they don't smell. Talking about whitetail fawns and and uh, undulate fawns, well, guess what? That's that's not really true. They may not be producing as much odor as what a grown animal will, but there is still some scent there that those animals that have an acute sense of smelling. Being those predators I mentioned are wild hogs that can smell those animals and as a result eat them. So I know this much. I've looked at several different properties in the past as a wildlife biologist, and we were trying to increase the fawn survival rate. Well, we increased the nutrition as best we could, both naturally and, and, and sometimes with supplementation. We, we took as many coyotes and bobcats off the property as we could. Uh, in some instances, we had hogs. Wild hogs. Now, wild hogs, I, I tell people there's two types of country when it comes to wild hogs. Them what's got them and them what's going to get them. The wild hog is on the mood and move and they'll eat just about anything. And if you think about how, what a cute sense of smell a wild hog has. You know, they use them in Europe to, to find truffles that are several feet under the ground. Wild hogs, if you'll notice, if you've been around where they exist at and most of us have, you can see where they have rooted very deeply to get to a particular root or maybe a grub or a worm. Well, they, they don't just go out and, and just start rooting for no particular reason. When, whenever a hog roots, he's rooting or she's rooting for something that's underneath the soil that they've already smelled. So if you think about it in that respect, if they can smell a, a grub or a, some kind of root, you know, 10, 12 inches into the ground, covered up by hard ground, surely they can smell a whitetail fawn, and they can. So in those areas where we've had problems in the past trying to increase the population and couldn't really do it, uh, we started working on wild hogs, and guess what? Once we started reducing the hog population, uh, our fawn smell rates came up. So same thing as I was talking about earlier. They can see them. They can smell them. With there not being a whole lot of ground vegetation, coyotes can see those fawns from a lot farther off. And, and uh, chances are that when they get closer to them, that fawn will lay there to for first maybe three, four days. And after that, they'll start jumping and running. Well, if there's no vegetation where that little fawn to duck and dodge around or hide in, there's every way in the world that a coyote and a bobcat is going to be able to, to catch that fawn and eat it. So 
it's, it's, it's all part of it. it. It's part of the rain cycle. It's part of the, uh, of the earth cycle itself. I think the best thing we could do right now when it comes to anything having to do with rainfall is just say, please, Lord, send us some rain. We're, we really need it. Your animals need it. Your, your vegetation needs it because if we don't get it, your vegetation and your animals are not going to be around and, and it's going to make it difficult for everything else that exists here. So please, Lord, help us, help us by bringing us some rain in those areas that we really need it. it it's amazing how that usually works out. If you start praying for rain, uh, I, 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 I get tickled sometimes because, as I said, that my wife always tells me, she says, better be careful what you pray for. Well, I look at it this way, too. Several years ago, I was taking care of ranches out in the southwest part of Texas, and we had two back-to-back 100-year floods. Uh, think about that. There, there was water everywhere, and as that water started receding in some of those even higher areas, I, I ran into an old rancher, and he was about... Oh gosh, almost shoulder deep, waist deep in, in, in slop and mud and water. And then I, I stopped and, and I was on a paved road that was raised up where I could go from one place to another. And I said, well, Mr. Johnson, I said, have you had enough rain? He looked back over at me and he said, son, he said, the day that it quits raining, he said, we're that much closer to a drought, one day closer to a drought. And that always kind of comes to me whenever I think about it. Somebody says, oh, my gosh, we've had enough rain now. We don't need any more rain. You know, if you live in a, in a thirsty land such as I did in all of Texas and, and a lot of the southwest and the west, uh, yeah, there are times when we've had a lot of rain. And, and not that I'm saying, not going to say we had too much. We had too much runoff maybe in certain instances. But uh, as far as rain, I'm, I'm not ever going to say we've had too much rain. And I'd be that way if I was sitting in, you know, in the foot of water right now as well, too. It's just kind of like Mr. Johnson said, he said, the day quits for them, they closer to a drought. So hopefully in the next few days and next weeks, we will definitely get some rainfall. As this is being recorded, it's right at the, the cusp of our DSC Foundation Gala, which is going to be held on June the 4th at the Frontiers of Flight Museum. And that said, I've mentioned it in the past, and hopefully you've had a chance to go to our website, to dscf.org or b-i-g-g-a-m-e dot o-r-g, and uh and then click the right buttons there that'll put you onto the, the auctions. Now, there's there's all kinds of, of great, great, unbelievable hunts, items that are available there, trips, that anything from uh, way over the waters to, to here at home. There, there, there are two, three of them that I'm kind of involved in, and I'm really trying to push a little bit, and then hopefully there's still a chance for you to bid on it, and if, if there is, please do if you're interested. One of the things that I've done is back in 1995, 1996, I met uh, Kerry O'Day, who has match grade arms, or MG arms, down close to, well, just north of Houston, close to, I guess Spring is the little town where it is, and he was building some custom rifles, and I was getting ready to go to Africa for my first time for a Plains game hunt, and he and I got talking. He said, Larry, I'd love to build your rifle, and he said, build it lightweight because I know you like to mountain hunt. He said, it'll be unbelievably accurate. So he did. He built me a 300 wind mag. Uh, I can't remember the taper on the barrel, but I'll tell you, it's rather thin. It is, it is, uh, it's got a muzzle brake on it, and the, the action is skeletonized, and 
that's the rifle I should say too it's got a synthetic stock on it and the scope that I put on it at the time I was doing promotional work and helping Simmons Optics well they built a scope that was specifically built for our military snipers uh, an unbelievable scope that uh, just was way ahead of its time they built about a hundred or so of those and, and I got one and the rest of them went to the military and that was a scope that I put on the rifle that I took to Africa with me, and it's, it's been there ever since. So it's, it's really a, an, an unbelievably great scope, particularly if you look at the fact that it was when it was built. And it's got a turret, it's got turret set up on it, so you can do the, uh, the adjustments with just a click, if you will, and unbelievably accurate. I've, I've shot that rifle several times here as of late before I took it to Dallas for the, uh, for the gala. And with the Hornady's 200 grain ELDX, and that rifle just absolutely loved those. At 100 yards, if if I space my shots and give that barrel a little bit of time to cool, and it's not too horribly hot outside, it'll essentially just ream one hole to work. Instead of being like a 30 caliber hole, it turns into like a Oh, maybe a, a, a 34 or 35 caliber hole. It just widens the hole. Now, if you shoot it a lot, the barrel gets hot real quick. And, and then after that, but, you know, with that kind of accuracy, is, is a, they've always said on the FTW, it's our job to shoot and kill that animal with the first shot. And with that particular gun, yes, you can do that. And that's one of the items on the auction. And I think it's going to be the first item up as well, too. The the value on that gun, when I, right now, if you were to have one built just like it would probably be about six seven eight thousand dollars uh by the time you put a scope on it such as the one and this is a rather unique scope and it's, it's, there's collector value there as well too in the scope so overall that package is probably about ten thousand dollar package so hopefully we can get somewhere close to that in on the on the auction because every cent that comes in goes right back out to DSC's missions of conservation education and, and hunter advocacy. Now there's another hunt on there that I'm peripherally involved in. I got to, got to know Craig Archer who operates the Hargrove Ranch up uh, kind of out of Snyder, Texas. Hunted with him several times and. They've got a pretty darn decent mule deer population, and it is a growing population. So there's some really, really nice bucks now. They've gotten some age onto them as well, too. And uh, The last year, they are under an MLD permit, which means they can be hunted for a lot longer period of time than just the regular mule deer season up there, meaning that definitely you can hunt there during the time frame when their ruts starting to occur, which is usually about the second week in, in December. Well, this this particular property, they get four permits, and uh, as it worked out, I talked Craig into to, to letting me keep one of them because I dearly love that place and the people involved. And, and uh, two of those permits go to the family, and this is a big ranch, but uh, they they want to keep that population mule deer, uh, population of mule deer, I should say on the increase and, and make sure that there are always some really good bucks there, some older age classes. So they only take four mule deer off that big ranch every year. And that fourth permit, I was able to talk Craig in, into letting us do an auction for it uh, for about a five-day hunt on the Hargrove Ranch during the 
beginning to the heat of the rut of the mule deer up there. And uh, that's also on the auction item list. And, and two, when I was able to do that to where we can take somebody up there and let them hunt a big mule deer for a particularly big Texas mule deer. Also got double nickel tax dermy to, to throw in a, a mount. So uh, there's a great opportunity on the Hargrove Ranch to, to shoot a really nice mule deer. And also to... Uh, particularly for Texas, and also get it mounted. And, and where are we going to set that hunt up? Uh, I'm not going to hunt with the buyer, but I will probably be in camp with the buyer at the same time. We're going to be there uh, trying to shoot a TV show, actually two, one for uh, Trigicon's World of Sports Field, and then also try to shoot one for the one that I'm involved in on a daily basis, the uh, Sportsman's Life, which is on... Uh, Carbon TV and mentioning Carbon TV, I, I'm, I have to say it here as I do every place else. I, that's, that's one of my play, favorite internet sites, and I am th- proud and thrilled to announce that now this podcast is available there as well too. So, if you're listening to it on listening to us on Carbon TV, thank you so much for joining us there. And if, if you're not listening to us on CarbonTV.com, please. Take a look at it. Take a listen. I would really appreciate it. Julie McQueen and, and, and her absolutely tremendous group of people that, that put that network together, if you will, or that site, are, are some of the finest people in the world. And, and the, the shows that you see there, the podcasts that they have there are just out of this world. Good. They're, they're, they're the best as far as I'm concerned. Little bit by little bit, it seems like the traditional outdoor television that, that I was involved in for a long time is, is changing to the point where it's no longer getting the, the viewers that it once did. And the beauty of the Carbon TV is is that you can pick out any show that you want to watch it. And if for some reason you got to leave it, just hit pause and you can come back later and see the rest of it. So really it, it it's one of those it's it's really what kind of i've been watching more than anything else because a lot of times i'm working i'm writing i'm doing a bunch of other stuff and and by the time i finally get to see something maybe on regular or, or network type tv there's nothing really to watch and not a whole lot there to watch anyway as far as i'm concerned well i can get in there and and uh it's also available i should say on roku the uh, carbon tv is i just punch my little smart tv thing to to roku and i can peruse the shows and then i can even watch my own show which is something i've hardly ever been able to do so if you're not already on to carbon tv by all means you need to really consider getting there kind of rambled a little bit but that was kind of the purpose today is to just kind of cover a whole lot of bases i'm getting ready to uh to spend some time up north. I just got back from uh, doing a, a talk up close to Bethel, Pennsylvania, to an absolutely fantastic church group up there. And actually had planned on taping my, uh, my, my conversation there with that group that night. And unfortunately, when I turned my recorder on, hey, guess what? There were no batteries, or the batteries that were there died very quickly. So that wasn't able to do that. But got a bunch of other good things coming up. I'm going to be spending some time a little bit to get to speak at the uh, Houston Safari Club here for too very long. And something I've always been wanting to do and have been invited numerous times to do and just never could get it put together. Dr. Wayne Vanswell, who so many of y'all know from his writings, is just one of the most fantastic outdoor writers that ever put a word on 
paper kind of thing. Uh, has been very much involved with the Jack O'Connor Museum there close to Lewiston, Idaho. And for the last several years, Wayne has very graciously invited me to come up. And, and there was always a conflict. So this, I told him, I said, the next time, if you ever do decide you'd like for me to come up, I'm going to just say no to any and everything else that's going on in that time frame, and, and I'm going to be there. So uh, here before too very long, kind of in the middle part of June, I'm going to fly up to Lewiston and and uh, get together up there with, with Wayne. And I think one of the other uh, speakers this year is, is Tom Gresham, who's an old friend of many years. And, of course, many of y'all that are older guys like I am, you remember Grits Gresham. Well, Tom happens to be Grits' son, but they – fabulous outdoorsman and, and radio personality and TV personality when it comes to outdoors as ever walked on the face of the earth. So really looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully I can record a lot of that up there as well, too, during the discussions that we have. And we'll try to make those part of the uh, of the podcast here. Uh, I do another podcast, too, that you might be interested. I need to tell you about Luke Clayton and I do one for Sporting Classics Daily or Sporting Classics. And it's called Campfires with Luke and Larry. And it's available where this podcast is. The only place it's not available right now that I'm aware of is Carbon TV. Uh, but, uh, you know, any other place where you can get a podcast, regardless of wherever you listen to podcasts to, check us out. It's, it's kind of the, the extension of a, of a radio show that or session that I did with Luke and have been doing with him for almost 15 years now and uh, kind of unscripted, kind of like this is. And we just start talking and, and uh, never really know where we're going to go sometime. We've, we've got a topic in mind and never even covered that topic before we're out of time. But those are always a lot of fun. And, and we try to make it like you're sitting there around the campfire, kind of like try to do with this one. One of the reasons for calling this the, the campfires. And to me, the campfire is a is a gathering point. It, the, the fire, particularly a, a campfire, pulls people closer to it. And, you know, everybody kind of kicked back and relaxes a little bit and, and uh, kind of get away from all the daily cares and start telling stories and maybe learn a little bit here and there and, you know, maybe learn some things you want to know and remember and maybe a few things that, you know, you don't want to remember in the future. So, But the campfire is a special place. And with that said really invite y'all to join me right back here around this campfire i'll have some special guests starting again next week and or maybe the week thereafter and uh if you've got something you know you'd like to hear about it let us know about it i'd, I'd love to uh, to hear what you think and i'd love to hear some topics that you might want to see us cover so look forward to seeing y'all around the campfire Thank you for being with us. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfires. DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by The Crown Bar in LaGrange, Texas, H3 Whitetail Solutions, Remington, Texas Wildlife Association, TRHP Outdoors, 